Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, Charlotte edition. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life. And I am joined in studio by Gerard Littlejohn, and we'll have him join us here in just a moment. Uh, but before that, let me ask you this. Do you need health insurance? We'll get quotes for individual health insurance plans at healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Also, Want to encourage you to join us coming up on March 19th at the Unpacking It March Madness viewing party over at Dilworth Grill right near Uptown. We'll be watching the games from 12 to 3 and what we'll free appetizers. We got a contest for those in attendance and it should just be a fun time with other Unpacking It uh, people. And, and so uh, come and uh, hang out for 10 minutes or three hours or whatever you're able to do. Uh, we'll be over at Dilworth Grill. Awesome restaurant, delicious food, great atmosphere. So uh, definitely check them out uh, when, when we're there on March 19th, but also support them uh, other times as well. Our website is unpackingit.com. And if you go to unpackingit.com slash March, you can also sign up to be a part of the March Madness Bracket Fundraiser. So we're, we're doing a bracket challenge, and if you donate $10 to the ministry, uh, you'll get an entry and, and a bracket entry, and then we've got some awesome prizes each, uh, kind of after each weekend, and then the, the grand prize winner as well. And if you win, you actually can be a guest here on Unpacking It. So you definitely want to participate, and, and of course you can support the ministry, support this podcast as well. And so uh, check that out, unpackingit.com slash March. All right, right now, we're going to bring on Gerard Littlejohn. He's the executive director of the Steve Smith Family Foundation. He's a UNCC grad. He used to work for the Charlotte Bobcats. That's when I first met him. Uh, He's also a father of two and a husband as well. Gerard, great to have you, man. How are you? Man, thanks for having me on. Been a been a big fan of uh, this podcast and everything you're doing with this ministry. So, man, it's a, it's an honor to be in this seat. All right, man. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. And basically today on the show, we're going to talk Panthers, Hornets, NBA playoffs, NFL free agency. We'll hear a little bit about your faith journey, hear what's going on with the foundation and, and all the great work you guys are doing here in Charlotte, uh, you and Steve Smith and the entire team. And so uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But I want to start with the Panthers. And, of course, okay. you know Steve Smith, former Panther and NFL Network analyst. And so you're, uh, you're, you're in the mix with, with all that's going on. And he's, he's always got bold comments and bold opinions. But I want to hear kind of your thoughts as we you know, we got the draft coming up, free agency coming up, whole new coaching regime, things seem to be changing What's kind of your overall perception of the team in the offseason heading into next year? Well, um, I definitely think that you know the Panthers seem to be 
uh, in, in a state of transition, right? You, you look at coming off of a five-win season, and now, you know, a lot of things in flux. Some of the, the faces that we're used to seeing, mm. Greg Olson, Luke Keekley retiring, there's a lot of faces that we're used to seeing that aren't there anymore. So I definitely look at this season and think that it's a, that it's a team in transition. You've got a new coach in Matt Rule, um, and they're just looking to change culture. And I think that this culture is going to somehow mesh and weave into uh, overall what David Temper wants to do, which mm. he, he seems to be uh, an owner that uh, wants to get his hands dirty, an, an, an owner that I think definitely has the fans' wishes and um, I think that really really, really wants to leave his imprint, not just in the city of Charlotte, but leave his imprint uh, on the NFL overall and in this community. So I'm excited. I think that, you know, uh, there's definitely a, a lot of things that are in flux. But I think overall, long term, I think this team is, is setting themselves up for success for the long run. Yeah, I'm overall excited about the future. And, and I keep saying I'm, I'm excited about Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering about the assistant coaches and the staff that he put together. I'm just a little unsure about that, but I, but I really like the hire of Matt Rule, and I think it made sense that you move on from Greg Olson. As hard as that is, you know, for Luke Keekley, that was a personal decision. All we can do is you know appreciate it, understand it. Correct. And so now, though, with the team, I think that the players that are left and and some of the decisions that have to be made. I think there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of kind of wondering, okay, what direction do you go with, with Cam Newton? And then if you move on from Cam, does Christian McCaffrey want to be a part of a rebuild? Is this truly going to be a rebuild? You bring in Russell Akun and you trade away Trey Turner. And so you wonder, okay, what does that mean? And so there are a lot of kind of misdirection plays right yeah. now or kind of moves where, where you wonder, like, okay, do you bring a guy like Trey Boston back, Mario Addison? What is kind of the age that this this Panthers front office is looking to to say, all right, if they're if they're under thirty, they're a part of the plan. Right. If they're over thirty, we're moving on. You know what is that? And I, I don't think we've really figured out what that that number is either. Yeah. And, so it's very intriguing. And, and I think and I think you know one of the things you have to look at is all this stuff is so new, right? You've got the new coach in Matt Rule. You've got uh, David Tepper has not been here the longest. So I think it's a lot of things to where we're so used. And I think we do this in sports a lot is we want to put a period at the end of that sentence immediately. Mm. But maybe that sentence is still ongoing, right? And so I think that for all intents and purposes, we just have to see how this shakes out. And right now we're just in the middle of it where there's a lot of stuff in transition. But I, I think that uh, I like the, the, the hire of Coach Rule. He seems to have a lot of energy. He seems to have um, uh, this this culture of setting culture. And mm. so I'm excited to see, you know, some of the moves that he makes. Uh, to your point, there are people that you have to consider bringing back. And then there are people that he has to bring in that, that matches his culture and his fit of what he wants to have as a football team. So you've got that. You've got him bringing in, you know, Joe Brady. So I the steps that they've taken so far, I'm pretty encouraged by. But there's a lot that we just have to wait and see. And that's, that doesn't feel good as a fan all the time for the, for the Panther fans that are listening. But I think it's also exciting to see how is he going to leave his own mark on this team from Coach Rule to Marty to, to, to David Tepper. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. So we got to talk about Cam. And it was interesting. Yesterday, Panthers re-signed Kyle Allen. So... He'll be in the mix again. Will Greer will be in the mix again, most likely. Where I come out on this is it doesn't, to me, make a lot of sense that Cam fits into where the team is heading. And even if he was just here for one year, what does that 
uh, accomplish or is that even worth it for him? Is that worth it for the Panthers? So to me, it still points to moving on from Cam. And I'm intrigued by the idea of Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator with Kyle Allen because we saw glimpses of Kyle Allen being able to be you know, accurate. He, he threw some interceptions, but, yeah. but overall, pretty accurate passer. Maybe not a dynamic player overall, but we saw enough to where, okay, he can win some games. He kind of unraveled at the end of the year, but I wonder with Brady, could he maximize the most of Kyle Allen? So I kind of want to see that, yeah. um, especially when you think about Joe Burrow, who two years ago wasn't that much at LSU. Right. And then when, you know, at Ohio State, he, he couldn't even get on the field. So, so that, that part intrigues me. What, what, what do you think of Cam and kind of moving forward with or without him? I mean, right now Cam's on the, on, on the roster, right? And, 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 again, it's one of those things that it's, it's wait and see. You, you, you've got to see, you know, if he's healthy. To me, if, if he's healthy, he's, he's the quarterback, right? Um, but, again, I think we just we, – we, um, we, we as fans, and, and not just fans of the Panthers, but football fans overall, regardless of what your team is, whether it's the Panthers or the Cowboys or the Redskins or any of these teams where there's a lot of heck, heck even now the Patriots, right? Like who, <laughs> who knows what's even going to happen with Tom Brady? And I even would go back to that. Like um, wherever Tom Brady goes is really going to be the domino that sets everything off. Like wherever he lands up, imagine if Tom Brady goes to the Raiders or the Titans, like – What's going to happen with the rest of the league, right? So I even think we got to wait and see what happens with Tom Brady for for an instance. But um, you know, as far as with with the Panthers and with uh, again with with Rule and Brady, we just kind of have to wait and see. And I think that it's going to be again, it's going to be intriguing to see whatever happens. To your point, Kyle Allen showed some stuff, you know, last season. He had some misfires, I think, and I think he had some take backs. And, and clearly, I, I'm sure Will Greer wants to do the same thing. But Will I, Greer I, wasn't given a fair <laughs> chance. That was bad. That's, that that's was true. painful. That's true. And I even, I mean, even... You, you go back to, you know, R- Russell, um, to, to bring in Kung. Regardless of whoever's the quarterback, it's hard to throw from your back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. The so offensive got, line, got to start there. You've got to bring in, yeah. and you've got to solidify that. So, um, it, it's just one of those wait and see things. So I, I, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. But also think um, what I'm encouraged by is I, I think David Tepper has has very strategically uh, aligned himself with people who I think are thinking long term and not let's just hurry up and get someone in that position just to make it feel good. What's gonna happen long term? And I think there's so many things. Cam Newton plays quarterback. Kyle Allen plays quarterback. Who knows? You know, so I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out. But to your point, too, depending on where Brady, Tom Brady ends up, and then now all of a sudden, you know, Derek Carr is affected, Jameis Winston, oh my um, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill yep. Phillip Rivers, all these then uh, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. All those guys are moving, moving pieces. It's Marcus gonna, Mariota. It's going to be an NFL quarterback carousel, right? We're going to be playing musical chairs with quarterbacks. There might not be many teams that are willing to give up a lot for Cam, really is what it could come down to. But if the Chargers miss out, to me, the, the Chargers could be a spot for, for Cam. Because if they miss out on Tom Brady, what direction do they go? Where does yeah. it make sense? Because they, they have an offense that's it's pretty ready to oh, go. Oh gosh, I, I think Keenan I like Allen, Eckler. They brought back Eckler. I think Keenan Allen is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the whole league. We always go to, and rightfully so. Yeah. We, go, we go to Julio. We go to Odell. 
we go to Michael Thomas, and they're all great wide receivers. But Keenan Allen, if you look at his numbers over the last three years or so, he is an elite wide receiver, and, and we don't give him. And he's a Greensboro kid. He's a North Carolina kid. <laughs> we won't even give him his just due. But he, to your point, he, they have a great offense. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens just overall. Like this is this, and I know you said we we're going to talk about free agency. This could be one of the most exciting free agencies we've seen in a long time. Just with, I mean, we got Tom Brady it as is, a free agent. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. So on one end, I think it's really exciting, and because I every year in the summer for the NBA, I love the first week of July, second week of July with all oh, the gosh. free agents craziness and oh, frenzy and I'm all an, that. I'm an NBA nerd. I look at the blogs. I'm oh looking, yeah. I'm I'm going on the the rumor websites. Oh, I'm such an NBA free agency nerd. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and normally the NF, the NFL isn't that enticing you end up knowing kind of beforehand right yeah and most of the time guys resign yeah like the nfl does a good job of keeping guys around in general i agree especially at the quarterback position Mm -hmm. almost always i mean that's if you've got a franchise quarterback very rarely do you let a guy get to his last year of his deal you typically re-up that guy beforehand absolutely and so it, it is different this time of year but at the same time i don't know if i can break down or listen to the analysis every day of where Tom Brady's going to go. <laughs> right. I mean, We've seen I, enough top five lists of oh the same teams that are, that are just reordered. I'll turn on Get Up in the morning on ESPN, and it's like the biggest story is Tom Brady every day, and I'm thinking, uh, all right, enough is enough. Right. Let's get, let's get right. there. Let, it's let's, all the same teams. It's Cowboys, Titans, I, I Chargers. Know. Colts, uh, Patriots. Same, <laughs> the same with Dak Prescott. Like we're, I, I get the update every day of it's thirty million now, thirty three million, yeah. thirty five million. I, I just let me know when that's, he signs. That's mis- they had an opportunity to do it last year, they didn't, and now he's walking into free agency. And now it's w- what do you do with the, with a guy? You don't want to be one of these teams that doesn't have a quarterback. But at the same time, I guess for the Cowboys, you don't want to overpay a guy. But I think he's kind of earned his money, hasn't he? Hasn't hasn't he done as much as not necessarily a golf, but Carson Wentz? Like when you look at him yeah. in kind of that realm, I or, think he's justified. Or Derek Carr, or Stafford, or, Derek, uh, or uh, that, a number of guys, guys who've got who have gotten paid. So both both of those sides have gotten kind of into an interesting situation. So I think he's earned it according to that standard of Correct. hey, franchise quarterback, starting quarterback. Yeah, that's what they they get paid. Mm-hmm. But on the last podcast I talked about this as well that I just don't think it's worth teams paying top dollar for a quarterback that isn't a top quarterback to me yeah. there's got to be more tiers at the quarterback position yeah. financially but is that is but that, it's not is that, that Dax, way anymore is that Dak's fault or is that the market's fault that's the market's on, fault that's the market that's the market's fault, fault. so, so Dak's just trying to get paid based on his value that he's been able to bring but eventually teams have to realize like man paying top dollar for Kirk Cousins yeah doesn't add up and the market's not going to go backwards that's for sure (laughs) well well, yeah some of these teams they're gonna have to get out of these contracts eventually but and and like same with the chargers like eventually you max out what you can do with philip rivers and you go yeah this isn't working anymore time to move on right whether it's his fault or their fault it's good that they're finally moving on i'm glad to see him in another unit well we'll see i I think he'll return unless he retires somewhat surprisingly yeah um so that'll be interesting um but but as far as the uh the, the panthers go Seventh pick in the draft. going to be very intriguing what they do. I'm not sold on the quarterbacks coming out. I, I, w- I would like to see Joe Brady with Burrow. So you'd have to trade up to get him. You'd and have to trade everybody plus me and you. I know. It's like you're <laughs> sending everybody. So I don't know if that's really worth the gamble of that. 
Um, but I'm not sold on the other guys, and so I would rather see the Panthers trade down to get more assets. That's an interesting um, scenario. Or get a, a lineman. So I, I, I'm in I'd for agree. building the lines, I'd building agree. the lines uh, from the get-go. Again, it, it, it really doesn't matter who you have at quarterback, whether it is any of the guys on the roster or Joe Burrow or uh, Tua or, or anybody. No one can throw from their back. I've never <laughs> seen a quarterback play well laying down. That's right. So I do think I agree with you 100%. I, I think um, being able to shore up the line, offensive line or, or defensive line, we know that both of those are some, some opportunities that, that they can use. And I think, you know, we, we've seen it before with, with really any team that, that is in championship mode. It starts up front, right? It, it really starts up front. So when you have strong offensive lines like, it, like in Kansas City, you're going to have you, – you, you, it gives time for someone like a Patrick Mahomes to do what he does, right? Oh, yeah. And so when you don't have that line, it makes it very, very difficult. Yeah, it's not the, the fun, exciting, oh, we get a great receiver or whatever. You're not gonna have a spl- it's not going to be a splash. Like, no. People aren't going to be at the epicenter acting crazy That's because right. we got a left tackle. But, hey, but it's important. Hey, one of my favorite Panthers, Jordan Gross. There you go. That was huge. That's a legend, He was right? there for 10-plus years. And he's, yeah. and he's a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, not an NFL Hall of Famer. You don't think so? No. Nah. Well, he's he's, he's a, a Panthers. He is a Panthers Hall of that's Famer. Right. That's right. Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. That's right. Your boy Steve was there. But as you well. know what I'm saying. But he's he is. Yeah. You, you draft, but, but you a draft cornerstone a good piece. Yeah, he's a cornerstone piece. I mean, any, you know, look, you, you need that you need that left tackle to to protect that quarterback's blind side, and you Definitely. need to have a whole line to 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 solidify any quarterback to protect him. So it's not the pretty play. It's not the uh, it's it's not the pick that's going to have everyone dancing in the streets but it's definitely an important pick oh yeah for sure so speaking of wide receivers of course steve smith greatest panther receiver one of my favorite players and it's interesting to hear him talk about the current wide receivers on the panthers and i remember draft day when the panthers drafted dj moore steve smith was so excited about the pick saw himself in dj moore and so far first couple years dj moore hasn't gotten to that elite level that maybe we had hoped and then you know Steve Smith said recently that he's more of a number two receiver at least at this stage of his career which I think is fair and accurate and I would agree with it and so the Panthers do need to go out and get a true number one and I just wonder maybe you wait a year or two when the team's a little bit better you get a a proven veteran number one versus drafting another young guy but um, we'll see what strategy they go but do you agree then yeah, DJ Moore is probably more of a number two. I think he said Curtis Samuel's two B, which he's right in that mix <laughs> you, too. You've got to look at. I think you've got to look at how this team is constructed. Christian McCaffrey is this team's number one receiver Absolutely. and running back. No so question. I don't think that. I think a lot of people heard that and took it out of context mm. as if DJ Moore is not a. And I'm using air quotes because this is a podcast. A number one receiver. We saw what DJ Moore was able to do. He cracked over a thousand yeah, yards. Which is big. He is a legitimate receiver in this league on this team. He's the number two guy just by way of Christian McCaffrey, right? So I think that is what we're looking at. The Christian McCaffrey is this offense number one option every single time, right? So that is what I believe he was conveying. Not that it is knocking DJ Moore, because I think DJ Moore is a great receiver. He he showed that last year. I mean, look at the yards that he put up. He's a legitimate receiver. But on this team, which is very true, Christian McCaffrey is the number one option. 
every time. Like, yeah, look, oh at, yeah, oh look yeah. at it. So oh I, yeah. I, I think that's what happened. I don't think that he did that as a as as a knock to DJ, you know, whatsoever. I just I just think that when you look at this particular team, the way that this team is constructed, Christian McCaffrey is the guy. Look at I mean, look at his stats. He's the first guy since Marshall Falk to mm-hmm. go one thousand, one thousand. The the best dual threat, you know person that we've seen since Marshall and, and maybe yeah, I'll, even I'll ever. give Matt Forte some love but yeah yeah Matt Forte was good I think Christian McCaffrey dwarfs Matt Forte <laughs> yeah. as a receiver like Matt Forte could catch it good out of the back and, and Ladini Tomlinson those guys I just want to give is those this guys a some, stretch some love I don't, is this a stretch for me saying that I think Christian McCaffrey is a better receiver than Ladini Tomlinson I think he is. Yeah, you can line Christian McCaffrey up full time at wide receiver, and I think he'd still put up elite wide receiver numbers. He put up wide receiver numbers as a running back. Like I think, I, I, maybe I'm I'm a little bit, I don't know, to say partial, but I think Christian McCaffrey is one of the best dual threats we've ever seen. Yeah, so I think no, that, I agree. I think Absolutely. it speaks more so towards how dominant Christian McCaffrey is, and not knocking DJ Moore. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a great perspective and a lot of truth to that. I also wonder, well, part of it's the quarterback situation. You you love just dumping off to the running back, especially when you know it's an easy yeah. throw and he's such a weapon yeah. and that he can turn two yards into 10, 15, 20 yards or more. Um, or is it you look downfield, you don't have the open receivers, and then you're dumping down. So yeah. it's it's hard to know what comes first. You, yeah. you look down, oh, nothing's there, yeah. or... I'll just go right to McCaffrey because it's it's such a sure thing. Yeah, and, and it might and be you, a little bit of both, yeah. right? But I I, I think um, that's why it's going to be so um, it's going to be so interesting to see what what how Joe Brady uses Christian McCaffrey as well because he's such a he's such a Swiss Army knife, right? You can line him up in the backfield, you can line up a fullback in front of him, you can line him up in the slot, you can line him up outside. Um, you know, we haven't seen a guy like Christian McCaffrey to me in a, in, a, in a really long time. A guy who can Man, let's just, let's just call it what it is. I think his first couple of years, maybe he couldn't run between the tackles. Now he can do that. Oh, he can do he anything. He can catch it out. He can catch it on a screen. He can catch a wheel route. He can I mean, again. You can line him up. He'll run a smash route. Like whatever it is, he can run it. So again, I just think that it, it it's really more so of how dominant and how much you can use him as an offensive threat. And I'm gonna be. It's, it's gonna be really exciting to see how Joe Brady uses him. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I'm. I'm. I'm really intrigued to see how Joe Brady fits into the NFL. So he, you know, he. A, a lot of people haven't talked about this, but you know, he he was an assistant for the Saints. So yeah. He, he worked learned with a Sean lot there. Payton. He learned a lot. So to be able to implement some of those things that you know he he got he was able to work on and see with the Saints and apply that now to the Panthers with with guys like DJ. And Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and all these guys that we have now, it's going to be pretty cool. But again, you know, it's, we got to shore up that line because uh, nobody can throw <laughs> it from their right. back. Still, yeah, still plenty of <laughs> offensive weapons at, as a core for sure to to build around. Add a, a tight end, a dynamic tight end. Yeah, we need to Because really, Greg Olson, he he'd lost a step the last couple of years, dealt with injuries and all that. So I think there's some potential and excitement at that position. Yeah. And I think you've got to have a good tight end in today's NFL. I'm, I'm all right. about the tight end. I, I talk so much about George Kittle, <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Those oh, guys, yeah. top two tight ends, were playing in the Super Bowl. Right. I don't think that's a coincidence. So, um, so I hope and they don't overlook too. that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Great athletes. So, uh, and really, both were number one threats. Tyree Kill maybe in Kansas City, but I'd yeah. still say Kelsey's probably a little oh, more when reliable. You're that, when you're that fast, you're a threat. Yeah, you're always a threat. <laughs> you're always a threat. Um, well, let, let's switch gears a little bit, because uh, so you and I first met when we were both 
working yeah. with the Charlotte Bobcats, or you were actually working for them. I was working for the local sports station, uh, doing an afternoon radio show and going to Bobcats games. And thankfully, we no longer have to call them the Bobcats. They are now the Hornets. <laughs> I grew up a huge Hornets fan, as yeah. you can see. I've got yeah, I've got an old school Hornets pennant here in the studio. Actually, I've got two of them. Yeah, um, so yeah, so that's the old logo. Huh. I was actually looking at the logo today. I don't like the new logo very much. You like, don't? it's fine, but I st- I would rather them use the old one. Yeah, I'll I'll I'm I'm with you. Um, I, I love when they do the throwbacks. Right? Oh, like the, it's so great. The purple ones, the floor, yeah, the jerseys. It's pretty cool. I mean, they've make no doubt about it. Making the switch from from Bobcats to Hornets was one of the best oh my things goodness. that 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 MJ and that whole team over there. Fred Whitfield, Seth Bennett, um, and those are all guys that you know. I, I was I'm thankful to to have along my journey. Fred Whitfield has been great. I, I still get a chance to see Fred and oh, Fred different places. He's been instrumental in my career, just kind of helping him to navigate. And even when I left there, trying to help me out. So him and and, and Liz and and there's a bunch of people over there. But that was a great decision to go back because it made it so much versatile, right? You can wear that throwback stuff, the throwback court, yeah. the merchandise, and even now, I, um, I mean, we didn't plan to talk about this, but even look at they've got now uh, they're doing some special stuff. They did the special stuff with Dreamville and J. Cole and having that kind of uh, unique merchandise. I mean, they make really good decisions on the business side. Um, and so kudos to them. They, they do a great job. And that Hornets transition was really, really cool. Even to get all the records and all that stuff. Oh, back, yeah. That's and, then, awesome, and, and like bringing back Muggsy and Zoe back. and LJ. Yeah. Like, it me- it means more since they're called the Hornets versus the Bobcats. It was like, it was a hard fit, right? And, yeah, and, and, it just was weird. Yeah, so, but they do they've done a great job with that kind of stuff. They do a great job over there. So that's the positive side. <laughs> the the, ne- the negative side is this team has struggled in recent years on the court. But I gotta say, when I tune in to watch this year's team, mm-hmm. I like what I see. Me too. I am excited about the the young pieces. I think recent drafts have mm-hmm. been strong. And and I look at the five key players that I hope they, they keep around and I think are, are key pieces to building a playoff-caliber team, and that's Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier. Love that they got him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, It was unfortunate to lose Kemba, but you get Terry Rozier. I mean, he dropped 40 the other night in a right. double-overtime game. That right. was awesome, and they were right there, should have won that game, but uh, slipped through their, their hands. Uh, then you throw in Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Cody Zeller. Yes, I still love Cody. You got to keep him around. He's so good for the for the community mm-hmm. and how hard he plays. He sets picks. He grabs rebounds. He plays tough defense. So whether he's your starting center or a backup center moving forward on a playoff team, I think you keep him around. Yeah. So to me, those five guys you keep. And I'd even go a step further. Look at look at the contributions you've gotten from the Martin twins lately. They're, they're, I'm open to it. I'm not sold. Like I'm not like they're non-negotiable. But, but it, it goes back to what you're saying. Like I, I turn on the TV and, and I've I've had a chance to, to to watch a few games. I don't get a chance to watch every single game. I have a seven-month-old son. <laughs> so I don't get right a chance. With you. Right I don't get a chance to watch every single game. But uh, I have had a chance to watch them a little bit. And to your point, I'm encouraged, man. And and I think it goes back to to your point. There there have been some missteps, right? There there's probably some draft picks you, you wish you had back. But Nick Batum's still sitting on that. <laughs> bench he's still you, clapping on you the bench at, you look at uh Devonte graham man. Oh, look at, what a look steal at, look at the development of him Huge. look at the 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 potential of of of, of miles that that, that i we, like it that we drafted right yep. look at the potential of uh pj washington that you draft right so now you're looking at something that used to be perceived as a negative all of a sudden 
being a positive that you've, you've hit on some things and now it looks a little bit more pleasant. A lot of people were thinking that the Hornets were going to be really bad. I, I ended up finding a stat. I was reading some stuff last night. The Hornets boast more wins of three points of or fewer than any team in the league, nine games yep. of three points or less. This team's scrappy. They work hard. They've got some, to your point, they've got good pieces. They've got some hustle guys. You're getting production off the bench. You 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 may knock it, but I think there's some good in, in the Martin twins. And, you know, you got, to your point, you got Rozier. I think they're on to something, right? I really think they're on to something. I, and I think you've got something to build on. And I think that's a position that this team hasn't had in quite some time of, we got some potential to build on. And it's not just Kimba dribbling around till he's crazy yeah. and putting up points. And, you know, you, you hate that you lose a player of, of his magnitude. I love seeing him have success that he's having in Boston. Great guy, great community guy. I had a chance to, to be around Kimba a little bit. But this team, I, I think they're on to something. I really the, do. The foundation is there. And the way the NBA is structured right now, you don't have to draft. Like, well, mm. moving forward. You, like, you don't because look at – to me, the Hornets are in a situation similar to the Brooklyn Nets and the L.A. Clippers. But Brooklyn, but you also mentioned two of the top markets that people want to go to New York, people want to go to L.A. No, but What's the draw to come to Charlotte? No, I, I know that they're top markets, yeah. but the Clippers were the laughing stock of the NBA. They were a terrible franchise. I, now, I thanks that. to Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, and they did have some superstars. Oh, you're just gonna, they, don't knock our Darius Miles and Quentin right. Richardson Those years. Are the dark days. <laughs> Those are the dark days. But, but what ultimately happened for them, they, you know, they got Kawhi Leonard. Because yeah. they built a solid foundation of role players. Harold, yeah. Beverly, like just NBA players, guys you want on your roster, right. guys that play hard. The, the Nets, why were the Nets intriguing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe because Brooklyn and you're near New York, but they had key pieces like Jarrett Allen and Spencer. Levert and yeah. Dinwiddie mm-hmm. and, and those guys. So to me, now the Hornets have those types of players. P.J. Washington, he reminds me of a, an old-school power forward mm-hmm. That is just That's reliable. Yeah. Can uh, knock down open three. Yeah. yeah. He almost reminds me of PJ Brown. Like yeah. <laughs> the, you know, those kinds of guys that, right. that you he'll be around forever. Mm-hmm. Um and then Bridges has some potential to be even better and like uh, I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, he's got some star he's got potential. The high, he's got the highest ceiling out of everyone on that on that team. I mean, you're getting a lot out of Devontae Graham more than I think anybody thought, right? No he question. Can, he can score the ball. Um he takes care of the basketball. Um, he, he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes considering his age, right? Now, he's still young, but, you know, considering his age, he does really well. The thing is, you've got to, at some point, you've got to get a superstar. I struggle with, does a superstar want to come to Charlotte, or do you have to draft that superstar and groom him? And, and for me, I look at it as the latter, but I do think we're both saying the same thing, that they've got the pieces now. Yeah. And that's something that they, we haven't always had here in Charlotte. Not, not, not necessarily. I think, I think we've tried to hit home runs with draft picks, and mm-hmm. you hope that Malik Monk is going to be some kind of superstar, and that was a miss. And yeah. um, you know, well, other there's, there's a lot of misses. Now. The, the Noah Vonleys, <laughs> and you know, all these guys. Ooh, I forgot about that one. Oh, that was tough. <laughs> that was tough. And Bismack Biombo, like guys that yeah. they really weren't prepared like they weren't ready to be NBA players they were too raw right whereas Miles Bridges solid yep PJ Washington solid and that's what I'm saying now you they're they're hitting on the picks that historically sometimes the the ones that you miss but now these last three years and whether that's Mitch Kupchak or or whatever 
they're hitting on those picks, and it's and it's cool. Devontae was before, but still, you yeah, know, you're you're starting to hit on some picks now, and that's something that is going to be essential because I, I just look at it as more so kind of the, the Spurs way. Like, look at look at what the Spurs did. They, they draft those guys, right? You you draft those. And you drafted Kawhi, right? Now, but that's old school. I don't know. I mean, I like that. But yeah. and, and the Bucks drafted Giannis. The, the Bucks, And the right. Mavs and, and drafted Luka. And, and look at those markets. Milwaukee, San Antonio, not the biggest market. So I, but I, Char- Charlotte's me, growing every day. The traffic, I look outside. <laughs> I can barely get out of the parking that's lot. Right. Now, you're right about that. So, you're, you're so right. I, I think Charlotte. I don't think we uh, that that narrative to me eventually has to change. Where oh, it's small Man, little here, market. It, Charlotte. All, all it takes is one guy to. That's all it really is going to take. It, it it takes one guy to decide. You know what? I will come play with them. Like I just for me, I just think it, it it's it's difficult that way. But it's definitely viable, right? But all it takes is. And I'm just making this up. All it takes is. James Harden to say he wants to yeah. come to Charlotte or Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry. Now that's not, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but all it does is take one guy, right? It takes one guy. So if you can find one guy to come, then 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 hopefully he attracts others. But for me, I think the 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 not easier portion, but I think the more viable portion is: do you find that guy in the draft? And and from what I'm seeing, they're drafting much better. And I think that you can hopefully hit on one of these picks that turns into a superstar. I just think you have to be. <sighs> You have to be so bad to get a top pick. Well, they might switch the lottery up. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that can happen yeah. with that too. But I, I don't want to be. I don't want to see the the Knicks. I don't want us to turn mm-hmm. into the Knicks yeah. where you're always chasing the lottery balls mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But I was looking at free agents, and not that these two guys would change everything, but I think it gives you some level of oh maybe that could work. But like a guy like Demar Derozan is a free agent. Yeah. yeah. So you now all of a sudden you plug him a veteran at the two guard, mm-hmm. and then you go get Andre uh, Drummond. Who's also yeah. a free agent? Yeah. From you know now he's with the Cavs, so like you get you add those two guys to what's already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a playoff. Th- I would argue you're a playoff, I, that's a playoff team. team. Yeah. In the East. Now that's not getting James Harden or the next superstar, right. but I think those types of moves are out there. So yeah. I'll be curious what direction Cupcheck goes and and all that. So, um, yeah, I love the NBA. So it's it's Me fun. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait for the playoffs. Uh, but, but before we get out of here, I, I definitely want to uh, kind of let people get to know you a little bit and, and, and really hear about what's going on with the Steve Smith Family Foundation. And, and you've now been a part of this for the last couple of years and continue just to, to build on the, the work that you guys are doing. So what's kind of hot in 2020? What are you most passionate and excited about that, that's going on right now? Yeah, well, even first, I'll just, I'll just introduce for people who aren't necessarily you know, familiar with the Steve Smith Family Foundation. Uh, our nonprofit was founded by uh, former Carolina Panther and, and Baltimore Ravens, Steve Smith, uh, started around 2013. And so really started his foundation out of two things that are near and dear to his heart, and that being um, the awareness and prevention of domestic violence. His, his mom and my mom, I'm trying to get better with, with talking about that. Oh, uh, wow. Both our moms are survivors of, of domestic violence. Um, and then family health and wellness. So how do we um, stabilize and give resources to families really around the subject of access to care? Uh, because it's a trickle-down effect of domestic violence, uh, sometimes victims or survivors, they're not able to get that access to care, whether that is access to medical care, whether that is access to counseling, um, spiritual health care. So we try to create spaces and opportunities for uh, families to, to be able to get that access. And so we do that through our Smith Family Wellness Center. And that is a um, that is a clinic that we have on the east side of Charlotte. It's on the corner of uh, 
uh, East Way and Central Avenue. And so we partner with uh, Project 658 and Novant Health, and we're able to do and provide uh, free medical and counseling care to people who are uninsured, underinsured, um, just, you know, low-income residents over there on the east side of town where uh, east side, west side of Charlotte, uh, uh, poverty and access is, is, is lacking a good bit. So we do that. Since 2016, we've had 4,200 patients. Um, wow. Our, yeah, our, our, our outcomes are growing by leaps and bounds. And so we see, shoot, almost uh, 100 people a week. And mm. so uh, thanks to a partnership, again, with, with Novon and Project 658, um, you know, we are able to have two full-time physicians. We have a full-time medical director. We have a full-time counselor. Um, and so we're, we're rocking and rolling. So for 2020, uh, we just want to expand on the good work that we're doing mm. um you know it, 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 we can't do it without partners like we have uh we have so many people who uh whether it's um whether it's novant or whether it is american airlines or whether it is um elevation church and so many other people who come alongside us and help us do our work um so that's what i'm looking forward to in 2020 is really just more of the same i think a lot of times we we think um that real work doesn't happen or people just come to our events and, and they think that, you know, we're just doing stuff to look cool, but we, we do a lot. Our foundation mm. does a lot and we're out there in the trenches and we're serving people. And honestly, we're just trying to do God's work um, and do it the best way that we know how and, and utilizing people to help us do that. And so we've been able to establish some really good partnerships and now we're able to provide direct services that a lot of, whether it's an athlete's foundation or not, there's not a lot of nonprofits that are able to do some of the things that I believe that we do, just being able to have a place where it's tangible. People can walk through the door and sit in the waiting room mm. and they're going to be able to get the care that they may not be able to get and quality care at that. So, you know, even with our counseling center, we're giving people, we've got our, our counselor uh, is, is trauma-informed, has every single counseling certification that I'd sound like a fool if I tried to ramble <laughs> off, but it's high level of care that we're able to provide, you know, very affordable to people who otherwise would not be able to get that. And so that for me is, is, is really encouraging. So I just want to be able to continue doing the work that we're able to do. That's awesome. And it's so encouraging to hear a former player so involved in that kind of work. Because yep. oftentimes, you know, athletes use their foundation mm -hmm. while they're playing, and, and that's mm -hmm. great, and they leverage all that. But Steve continues to leverage. Oh, I would, I would even argue we've, we've done and are doing more since his retirement than we did when he was playing. So um, cool. And so we were actually, a lot of people, you know, we'll be out and about, and people will be like, hey, Steve, welcome back. And in my mind, I'm like, he never left. Money never left in two. We did the bulk of our work while he was even in Baltimore, Man. right? So we were That's really cool. laying the foundation for our laying the foundation for our foundation. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we we were doing a lot of that groundwork while he was in Baltimore, and family's still living here. But we a lot of the stuff that you're able to see us do now, and you hear about it or you see it reported, and 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 all the numbers and outcomes and the 4,200 people, we were laying that groundwork back then when he was playing for the Ravens, we were, we were doing it here. And so we, I can for sure tell you he never left. Mm. And now we're able to do more. And, and again, it's more because we just have so many great partners that come alongside us and, and want to and participate in an event or they want to come and volunteer or they want to come and, uh, again, just come alongside our work and support our work and be advocates for us. Um, so I'm just looking forward to more of that, just more of the partnerships, more of the volunteering and serving and, and just being able to do more and more in this community that we live and work in.
It's awesome. It's great work and, and so cool to think that you know God brought you from working with the Charlotte Bobcats, PR, media relations, to to now you know running this organization and, and playing a key role in, in a lot of the work that's that's going on. So that's, that's only the beginning of where God's brought me from. So there's 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 so much more. Um, you know, I, I look back now and I'm able to see God's hand over my life, even from being a child. Um, you know, my family didn't necessarily, we weren't that every Sunday go to church family. Uh, we weren't atheists, but at the same time, we were just a good moral family. Hmm. My family never cussed. They're not drinkers. Um, but I didn't really go to church until I was well into high school and really didn't have a relationship with Christ until I was probably in my early 20s. Hmm. And just, you know, being in college and Everyone has their mistakes and mishaps in college, and, and I did, and I had mine, and so it really wasn't until then, and I remember my other grandmother, um, when I moved into my dorm room, she put a Bible in my nightstand. Oh, wow. And it never really thought twice, and I did not crack that thing open up until, to be honest, I actually had to, and I, it took me a while mm. to get into practice of opening up my Bible and praying and relying on God and not myself. And so my journey of faith has not been like this, bam, overnight, mm. like I didn't have Christ and now I have Christ. Mine was just a steady, just increase of inviting God into my life every mm. single day. And I think that really, if I'm if I'm being honest, it doesn't change, right? You have to, for, you invite God into your life every single day. And so I just want to get closer and closer with him. And so it just took me to rely on him and not myself more often than not, but my but there's also no, um, there's a huge correlation between when I invited God into my life and when my life started going on an upward trajectory. And it's all because, you know, I started relying on him and really getting into his word and really getting around and, and getting into church and finding a church home. And now I have all of that and being married and, and having my own two children. And now it's really cool to see them invested in their faith early and and we me and my wife you know we make a mark to to do just that so um yeah i'm thankful for god and how he's led my career but i'm so much more thankful to god to where he's always had his hand on my life even when i didn't invite him into my life mm. wow no that's awesome to to hear and and even though you say oh you know then the trajectory of my life got a lot better i think it's always the, the caveat of yeah life gets life is better with jesus yeah there's no question about it yeah. but that doesn't that doesn't mean th- from the worldly it's perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, life's tough with Jesus too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but I uh, but I'd much rather be in the boat with him That's than right. not than not have him in my life at all because I've 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 seen when God's not in my life or when God is not priority in my life. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so how has your faith gotten you through tough times even as you've followed him and as you've invited him in and and you've pursued after him? I mean, for for me it's just been I know the end of my strength, and I know the beginning of his. Mm. And I know when I tap into his strength is when I'm ultimately way more successful. Because my, my strength, when I surrender and I really let God be first as he should, and maybe not even first, maybe it's just having God at the center, mm. and, right? And so when I keep God at the center of my life, then everything else flows through. I'm, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I believe God's a God of order. And so when I have things out of order is when I tend to have more problems and I have more headaches and I, have, and I make things a lot harder. When I keep things in order, when I, know that my, when I know that God is priority, when I know my family is right after that, and then everything else falls into place, it, it flows a little bit more seamlessly. But then when I try to make sure that, you know, 
I'm first oh, yeah. and my selfish, selfish ways. Yep. When I do that, that's when I typically have a little bit tougher time, right? But um, you know, it's I definitely have learned to just rely on him more, um, rely on getting to my words, surrounding myself with other people also. And one thing uh, for 2020 is I've really made a point to align myself with other believers, right? Mm. To really make sure that I have other people investing in me because it, it does get hard, right? It gets hard when you try to do everything in your own strength and you don't have those other people, uh, to fill you back up. It's really, it's really easy in nonprofit in sports. And, and I, 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 I float between both, but it's really easy to probably burn out and to feel used sometimes. Mm. And so I've just made it a point this year to make sure that I, I get around other people who fill me back up, right? Because That's it's awesome. so easy to, uh, you, when you're serving and when you're doing all this great stuff or when, you, when you're involved in so many things, it's very easy to empty your cup. So I always want to make sure that my cup's always being filled. So I'm, I'm always making sure I'm surrounding myself with other people who are in my same vein, who are also just going to be able to encourage me and lift me back up. Point you to Jesus. There you so, go. That's right, man. No, that's that's good stuff and, and encouraging to hear and and love uh yeah, love love seeing yeah, God work in your life and, and we were talking before just how, you know, each step of the journey prepared you for what was next and now you're really in your sweet spot. But it but it took all of that experience to set yourself up to now be able to take over the, the, you know the foundation and, and be able to have the skills needed it's, it's like you said before it's surrendering and and so many times when i when i had my job with with the bobcats i had a plan i had a plan of i wanted to do this i wanted to do that i i i, I thought i i knew but really you go back to um you know you go back to uh jeremiah you know you go back to jeremiah twenty nine eleven right for i know the plans i have for you God has the plan, <laughs> yeah. and it's not mine. So once I've just kind of learned into, all right, if I just submit to God's plan, I let him take me where I need to go, it's so much easier than me trying to do my own plan. That's not saying that you don't plan and you don't have goals, because I'm a big goal guy. I'm, I'm a big on what are my goals for 2020, what are my long-term goals, what are my personal goals, what are my financial goals, all that different stuff. I'm always trying to make sure I'm better, I'm learning something. Um, but at the same time, I don't try to – tell God what the plan is. That's, good. that's so many times good. I feel like we do that. We try to say, hey, God, here's my plan. Will you bless it for me? Yep. And I've just really gotten into a sense of, nope, he's got the ultimate plan. Let me do what I can do to improve myself, but ultimately let me succumb to God's plan for my life. Mm, that's a great word. That, that is good stuff. So he's Gerard Little, John, and, and appreciate you uh, coming in studio today. Uh, we wrap up the show with Unpack This, and so I'm going to kind of share just a quick thought about sports faith and life as we wrap things up and if, if you want to chime in that, that'd be awesome um but basically if, if you want to sign up to receive the unpack this devotional in your email inbox you can go to unpackingit.com we send it out for free uh monday through friday and we cover you know a bunch of different sports and and so this time of year talking nfl free agency and so i uh, want to share just a, a quick thought about the difference between waiting and acting quickly and what's so fascinating about the nfl free agency is how some players and some teams they'll be the first to make a move and so like we were talking earlier tom brady he's the domino that will affect what other teams end up doing what other players end up doing but what ends up happening is it's all about timing it's all about timing in free agency because from a team's perspective, they can either be quick to go out and sign a, a player, or they can wait around to see 
you know, where Tom Brady's going to go and then sign somebody. So you can either, you know, maybe overpay for somebody by signing right away, or you can wait and snag a guy for a discount because the market dries up, or you wait and you miss out on the player because he agrees to go somewhere else. And then from a player's standpoint, he can quickly decide to sign with a team by accepting the first great offer, or he can wait to see if other teams step up and offer even more money once other deals are made, or he can end up waiting too long and completely miss out on the opportunity. And so the reality is for, for you and I, we, we end up finding ourselves in similar situations where we've got a lot of moving pieces at, at, job, at our job or at home, and we have to decide, do we wait or do we act quickly? And it goes back to Gerard's point, too, where we got to seek God's plan, trust his plan, and there will be times where he says, wait. And then there will be other times where he says, go, move now. I've opened the door. It's clear. It's, it's open. Go. And, and so it really goes back to the, you know, the simple verse that, that many of us know in Proverbs where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so as we follow him, he'll, he'll make it evident when we need to be patient and when we need to go for it. And, and then, you know, when we do need to wait, uh, the Bible says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So either way, we're really waiting. But when he, when he says go, that's when we got to act quickly. And, and so hopefully that's, that's an encouragement uh, to us today. So uh, hopefully you'll, you'll unpack that. But, but any final thoughts, Gerard, as we, uh, we wrap this podcast up today? No, that was good. I mean, you've got to, uh, we've all got to practice trust, right? We've got to practice trusting in the Lord. And that doesn't always feel good. It, it, it leads sometimes for a lot of uh, disdain, uh, impatientness. It leads to a lot of things, but man, when you really trust in Christ, when you really trust in uh, what he says and when he speaks over your life, you're prepared for when he says go, and you're prepared for when he says wait. But I think both of those scenarios involve trust, and if we just trust him, then he'll set us on the path that we need to go. Absolutely. It takes spending time with him, knowing mm-hmm. his voice, listening to his voice, and acting on that on that voice. All of the above. D. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Well, Gerard, man, appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. We'll, we'll definitely have to do this again. For sure. And uh, people can follow you on social media, Gerard Littlejohn, and check out the Steve Smith Family Foundation as well. And if you want to get involved with some of the work that, that they're doing. I'm Bryce Johnson. He's Gerard Littlejohn. Thanks so much for listening today. As always, I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.